All right, folks. I am Trey today because Trey's not here, so I get the all right. Welcome to the Senpai Kohai podcast. Unfortunately, Trey could not be here this week, but we do have one of our personal friends, Mr. Daryl, who is somebody that we are really close with and is relatively new to anime fandom. Am I wrong, Daryl? I would say new to being deeply initiated in it, right? Like I've always been familiar with it. I've always kept it sort of at a good distance. But yeah, recently in the past couple of years, I've sort of steered into the skid and just been like, you know what? Nah, we're going to go ahead and <laughs> be a full time anime fan. <laughs> nothing wrong with that i've been one for freaking 20 years so uh, at this point you know you just get used to it so with that in mind we usually do questions but we're not going to do that this time we're going to actually start you from your origin story we're going to ask daryl here how he got started into anime because as i know you you're a huge sports and psychology and wrestling fan and so a lot of times uh, you don't expect anime fan to be one of those things mm. included in your your list so where did you get started yeah so um for me it was um it, it kind of started the same way everyone else's did, right? So growing up, Dragon Ball Z was on Cartoon Network. Toonami was sort of the uh, the big thing to watch growing up. So a lot of, watched a lot of Toonami. Dragon Ball Z was sort of it. Um, and honestly, I kind of, I was thinking about this earlier because I knew a question like this was coming. Uh, I was thinking about how I remember initially being introduced to Dragon Ball Z, liking some of it. In fact, I even remember watching Dragon Ball back in the day because I aired that back on Cartoon Network as well. But something about myself is that I remember liking Dragon Ball Z, but being intimidated by it. I remember actually being like frightened at the, like the power. Like they, they, it did such a good job of like portraying, you know, helplessness. Because there's so mm -hmm. many episodes where all they're doing is they're just shy. They're just polishing up Frieza as, as this big, powerful. They're, they're polishing up Cell as this big, powerful thing. The androids are killing people. So as a kid, like that really got to me. So I never really was super into Dragon Ball Z until much later in life. Um, what really got me into anime, honestly, Dragon Ball Z was sort of like the doorstep, but the actual door itself was Naruto. And that was just because I, I grew up watching that. I remember like watching the very first episode of Naruto on Cartoon Network on, uh, on Toonami. And from there, it was just pretty much history. You know, I started watching that and um, Naruto was the big thing. And then, you know, I kind of watched a couple of things on and off over the years. I had some, I had my cousin recommended Full Metal Alchemist to me, which I never actually got around to watching, but I was familiar with it. I was always sort of interested in it. I remember watching uh, spontaneously one time in like in my freshman year of high school, I watched Elfin Lead or Elfin Lead. I don't know if you remember that one or not. Yeah, the the ultraviolet opening episode that pretty much everybody that got into anime eventually encountered. Yeah, and I don't know what, it was weird because I had this, uh, you know, I mean, like I told you, Dragon Ball Z frightened me as a child. And honestly, there are certain things I still can't watch. Like the first episode of Attack on Titan turned me after the whole show because it was too traumatic. Ooh. I just can't. Even and that was like a couple months ago. Like, I just can't do it. I, I cannot. But that being said, for some reason, Elfin Lee was fine. So I was able to get through that. And that was sort of like a turning page of like, oh, there's other stuff than just, I guess, what you would call shonen, right? Yeah. A couple years back, I just decided to watch Darling and the Franks. And all of a sudden I was like, nope, here we go. We're going to watch a whole bunch of anime now. And that's... uh Really, ever since 2017, I would say I've really dove off the deep end, you know, to see the the real experience is about, you know. Yeah, I can. Uh, so you have a pretty familiar thing. Now, I'm glad that Toonami existed for as long as it did to the point where it actually introduced people to anime in that way. Because I remember Toonami in the early days when, you know, they were just showing the first couple seasons of Dragon Ball Z, mm -hmm. like the first couple seasons of Sailor Moon, like really just getting off the getting off started with everything anime on TV. And did you ever watch all of Naruto or did you just watch as much as you could on Toonami when you had time? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was one of the people that, um, oh God, I have actually a really terrible story. I'll tell you in a second. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was one of the people that like wanted to watch it every single week. And the way they did it was, is they would show you, you know, it was one new episode a week. And of course, as you know, 
there was a lot of filler. So it took forever yeah. to get from one spot to the next. But I was on the edge of my seat every single week hoping to get to a big plot point. And the way they did it back in the day was they would show, you know, last week's episode followed by this week's episode. And then maybe some reruns later on in the night or whatever. But I remember every whatever it was Saturday night, uh, me and Jack would actually go to my dad's house and we would watch because we were super duper into like whatever was happening next. And the really bad story is that, you know, one night my uh, my dad or my excuse me, my grandpa um, had actually passed away in the hospital. It was really sad. I didn't know him that well, to be perfectly honest with you. So it didn't. It's not, it's not like I didn't love my grandpa, but it's like as a kid, you don't you kind of right. realize the gravity of it and stuff like that. And plus, again, I didn't know him that well. My dad was pretty torn up. But I remember getting back from the hospital after all that happened and we made it back in time for, for Naruto. And my dumb like nine year old ass was like, well, at least, we, you know, it's, it, he died. But at least we got back in time for Naruto. It was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was like the worst possible thing. My stupid kid self could say. But um, but that's but that's I the, mean, the you got to pass. You, were, you said you were nine. Nine yeah, nine, ten. I don't know. However, however old I was, but I, I was old enough to know better that that was something I shouldn't have said. But I said it anyways because whatever. So yeah, it's like that. I totally understand, and especially when you got something you're passionate about uh, to degree. I guess another thing I, I'm interested in is uh, so. Were you into wrestling when you watched Dragon Ball Z? Um, no. Well, yes and no. So my my love of wrestling that was more middle school. So that was mm-hmm. um whatever. What was I then? I guess I would have been twelve or thirteen and some whatever. How, I don't know how you old are. How it's all a blur to me. I, I I blocked out middle school, but I do <laughs> that. That was around the time I really got into it. And funny enough, it was actually like the SmackDown versus Raw video games that sort of really introduced me to it. Um, because my cousins would play that a lot, and so I'd watch that, and that kind of made me curious. At real wrestling, I caught it on. I caught Monday Night Raw on television one night. The reason I asked you that is because uh, a lot of times, you know, wrestling is a big part of anime and Japanese culture in general. Mm. They actually have like yes. multiple leagues, and I believe even some uh, American and other nationals go to Japan to participate mm. in wrestling. There. Yeah, New New Japan Pro Wrestling is huge, and even yeah. here in the states, there's a big following for it. And so, a lot of times, I've actually found that a lot of Dragon Ball Z fans, uh, people who got into Dragon Ball Z were wrestling fans to start with in that same kind of concept that you were talking about. These characters that seemed very much like uh, the heroes and the heels and someone was way more powerful than Mm. the main character and they had to work their way up and fight them, you know, and all these like interesting story beats. And so I've had several people tell me that the writing of Dragon Ball Z actually is very similar at at certain points to the wrestling. So they actually found it and found like a connection to their first anime through their fandom of wrestling. So I was just curious if that's kind of where you landed. Yeah. So that, that was not, that was, that was not a connection I actually made until, you know, like in the past couple of years, but that's absolutely true because um, there's so much combative storytelling, right? There's just so much that goes into making a, making a compelling bad guy involves um, what in the wrestling world is called like jobbers, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If you want to make someone look powerful, what do you do? You have them win, you have them win over and over and over. And you have them win a couple of rounds that are important, right? So, I mean, you look at like the Cell Saga, you see how strong Piccolo gets. Piccolo gets stronger after he, you know, fuses with Kami. Spoilers for Dragon Ball Z. After he fuses with Kami it, and he gets stronger. It's been stronger. a couple decades. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, we, we can get away with that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, he gets stronger. He goes and now all of a sudden he's, he's even with Android 17. Then Cell comes along and just wipes the floor with him. It makes it seem like Cell's even that much more powerful, which that goes into like Shonen power scaling. And that's a whole other story that people can complain about. But the, but the general idea is like you make someone seem powerful by by having them win a lot um and make make the other characters that you actually like feel powerless to stop them and that's when the mm-hmm. hero comes in usually goku it feels such a it's such a big moment of like yes finally somebody's actually going to be able to stop this guy yeah i i found the connection between wrestling and, and a lot of anime storytelling especially shonen in this case like you said 
to be very fascinating. And then you also have something like Dragon Ball Z and other examples. You have a rival in Vegeta. He was originally an mm. enemy, but ends up helping because he wants to be better than Goku, but still yes. can't do it for so long. And it, it has him switch sides multiple times for the sole purpose of trying to best his rival. And then, you know, you have mm. different storytelling. Modes. And I feel like that actually happens a lot. And like you said, competitive storytelling. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why a lot of people relate more to Vegeta than to uh, than to Goku. Why? Why? And honestly, I agree. I think Go- that Vegeta is a better, more well-rounded character, you know, than Goku because Goku really is just the, you know, I like to fight and I'm always going to win because that's how I'm written. You know, I, I love that Goku is basically the idiot and Vegeta's the dick, and they're both yeah. the main characters of the show. And it's everybody's like, yes, I love I love Vegeta or I love Goku. And everybody forgets that Gohan tries to become the main character for a bit. And they were just like, nah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he peaked after Cell. You know, he had his moment and then it was like, ah, no, nah, it's Goku again. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's a uh, son. Goku is always going to be the main. But mm-hmm. uh, so that kind of gets us into like what you you started with. And, uh, you know, as you know, I started uh, a long time ago with, uh, you know, the old VHSs you get the at, tapes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You could uh, go to comic stores and get uh, like hard subbed VHS and. Uh, a lot of people have talked, heard me talk about how much I love that animation style and just kind of that visceral uh, mm. style of fandom back then. And it's almost it's almost kind of a sad that people don't get to experience that anymore. But I will also, yeah, yeah say that I'm glad people are getting more exposure. Yeah, definitely. And and it's funny because um, you know, and we're experiencing like a, like a similar sort of renaissance for the the old style in gaming, and that like pixel art in gaming is such a big deal nowadays. Like all these indie games. Are trying to replicate sort of the old style of the pixel art and so nowadays it's, and you're going to see this with Komi-san as well coming out this fall which we'll talk more about later but that's sort of a that's sort of a manga and now an anime that um that follows sort of that that 90s style you know revival of uh of, of style so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch and god that's gonna be a good show <laughs> yeah i'm really excited about it because you mm-hmm. and i have both kept up with the manga and it's a uh... It's a rare occurrence where you actually read the manga and then watch the anime. As I, as I understand it, you're pretty much a one yeah. kind of guy. So, so yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing, right? So like so many people are watching an anime that I have just discovered and they're all pissed off because this didn't go right. Like, there was a fight scene in My Hero Academia in like season mm-hmm. four. Lemillion had a fight that people thought was underwhelming in the show, which I understand. But at the same time, that was the first time I was exposed to it. So I, I was like, oh, cool. We're moving. You know, well, this is a good pace. You know, we're moving on to the next thing. But yeah, it does change the dynamic, I think, to actually understand ahead of time what, you know, have expectations going into it. Yeah, that's that's a weird dynamic to have, though. Like, I, I have to yeah. be honest with you, because it, it, depending on what kind of fan you are, that can be like poison or it can be like ambrosia. Because, mm. you know, if you have if you have foreknowledge and you, you're really excited about it, and even though you you know what the story beats are going to be when it's well made you get excited for it. you get to hear the voices you get to hear the, the mm-hmm. sound effects and the music goes along with it It gets really really hype but then you have depending on what kind of fan you are i said you, it can also be poison because you can expect something to be yeah. a certain way and it cannot go the way you expect and you get upset about it it's how you end up with people on twitter being like i am upset at things yeah. that didn't go exactly as the book that had no sounds or anything on it you can tell i can't believe the they gave side. us a powerpoint presentation for this fight scene instead of the exactly <laughs> what it was supposed to be now I, so i want to get your thoughts on this like I, I feel as though it's what it really is good or bad for better or for worse i feel i i feel like there is something to be said about your initial experience even if you're experiencing what most people like let's say you watch full metal alchemist and full metal brother uh, full metal alchemist brotherhood right brotherhood mm-hmm. and, and have you seen both of those by the way have you seen either one? I have seen the original uh, Full Metal okay. Alchemist anime. I own Brotherhood, but have yet to watch it. Okay. I have read the manga, though. 
okay okay so just so you know brotherhood basically follows the manga to the t right they they cut mm -hmm. out a couple of things but then they make nods to it right like there was one village where they went anyways the initial exposure to something whether it be the good version or the bad version and what most people would consider it to that i think the initial exposure is what's most important because Although there are some people that like harp on Full Metal Alchemist because it outpaced the manga, so it took a lot of creative choices and sort of things ended up being weird. Um, but then Brotherhood was more close to the actual uh, manga. There are a lot of people that swear by the original Full Metal Alchemist and think it was better in, in so many ways. And I only watched Brotherhood. I'm not. I never saw the original. I do think there's something to be said about like the initial exposure. What you watch first will always be your favorite, even if you you know. Maybe if years pass and you go back and watch something different, it might hit different. I don't know. You know, my true experiment with that is going to be watching all of the Evangelion movies <laughs> because uh, like I, I'm so like hot and cold on Evangelion. And, you know, apparently these movies are like after a certain period are completely different. So I'm actually going to be doing that. But for me on that specific example, like Full Metal Alchemist, that's always a really interesting thing. And this is also where a lot of I have a, a few friends that kind of say you just like everything. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I really I watched that series as it came out. I was getting fan subs of it. Really? Yeah. It was kind of like a weekly thing or a biweekly thing, depending on my schedule at school, mm -hmm. where I would download these episodes. Yeah, I, I was one of those kids. <laughs> and I'd watch it. I knew there was a point where it was going to catch up to the manga. And mm -hmm. they decided to go with their own plot line. And I thought it was a pretty solid plot line. I enjoyed it. I didn't really feel like it was really rushed or, or just mm -hmm. wrong. It just was a different take. But I was also really happy that they decided to make this story based off the manga, like the second one, Brotherhood, because it veered so into a different direction than what, than what the yes. original anime. Because yeah. and ultimately, while the beginning is markably the same. Yeah, the, the premise is it, still the same, right? When it veers off with the storyline, they're two like, vastly different storylines yes. with different characters and different motivations. And so they both have their place in the fandom. And this is kind of one of those unique examples. I just think that anybody that can get their hands on the original Full Metal Alchemist should watch it from beginning to end. And then uh, anybody that watch, can watch Brotherhood back to back, you'll see how different it is. And I think they mm -hmm. both have their value. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On that front, I got to say this is... I totally forgot my thought for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll come back to you like after the shows. You'll be taking a shower just like, God yeah can i say that i forgot are y'all are y'all censored we're not okay we're not gonna bleep <laughs> things out we you should okay. you, you should know by now from listening to the episodes we kind of curse a little bit yeah but, I, uh, I kind of thought that was the case but as soon as it came out i was like oh no i cannot not <laughs> that just create extra work for you yeah that's that youtuber in you um oh, yeah. yeah oh no i might get demonetized uh yeah, exactly so, man so basically, the other thing is we're going to we've kind of established your origin story. We kind of went off on some some thoughts on different stuff, and we'll definitely be covering some other things here in a second. But let's go ahead and do what we usually do. And we talk about what we're watching and then we're going to mm. uh, talk about what we're playing. So I'm going to let you go ahead and start off the table with what you're watching right now. What I'm watching, um, Bake Monogatari, which actually I finished the last night. I can tell after watching all 15 episodes that one of the other parts is going to be a prequel, I assume, because mm -hmm. they, they talk about things. Okay, that, that makes sense to me because I asked you a couple months ago, I was like, hey man, where should I start if I want to do the Monogatari series? You told me to start there. I did. After I finished, I like looked up some watch orders and there's a lot of controversy about the correct order to watch them in. So it appears I've, I've stumbled into like a fate series without realizing it, <laughs> but there's not as many episodes. So that's helpful. So one of the reasons why I suggest that you watch Baki Monogatari first is because my experience with Bak the, the Monogatari series in general was as it was coming out. And so mm. when it first came out, you were supposed to not see it in order. 
And I encourage mm. that for anybody to view it because you need to see things at base value for the start of the characters, but have something <laughs> that they kind of hint at is somewhere in the background. Because like yeah. that's what it is. It's character studies in arcs with hints of a bigger world. And for me, Bakimeno Gotari, if you can get through the first season and what you see is what you like or what you you like what you see. No, you said it right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, then you're going to seek out those other ones and you will find it. And that's kind of why I suggested it. Yeah, and that's absolutely what happened, man. So, like, and, and, and you say like case studies, and that makes sense to me because the style of it, as you know, uh, is just so unique. And what I liked about it was that it's so very much about each individual character and what they're going through to, to such an extreme that they don't even have background characters, right? Like, anytime they want to refer to like a crowd of people, it's always just some like stylized cardboard cutouts that happen to fall yeah. down or something like there's one scene where um, the, the monkey paw girl is in the arcade and she turns around. There's a line behind her, but it's not real people. It's just like They're like silhouettes, almost just like little black lines, right. and white in the middle. Exactly. They they do so much to make it feel like this is a big world, but we're only paying attention to like individual characters. But no, I, I love the show. I, I had a ton of fun with it. I was a big fan of uh, Hitagi as a person. This show, in a lot of ways, really paralleled to me. Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. I didn't realize how much influence this had. I knew you'd make that connection. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about that more in a bit because that's a whole other trope I was going to ask about. But I like Senju Gohara as a character. I, I f my favorite scene of that entire show was whenever they're in the car ride together and they're just they're just bantering back and forth. And she <laughs> yeah. was like, she was like, I don't know. She was like, garbage. I'm sorry. I mean, Aregikun, uh, how do you feel about this? He was like, you just call me garbage. And she just goes, what are you talking about? I would never say anything like that. That's unbelievable. How dare you accuse me of that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that she gives him shit constantly and he just goes right back with it. Like they, they're yeah, always exactly. kind of like going back and forth. Mm -hmm, exactly yeah and, she, and she's not like they kept calling her a sundere but she didn't feel like a sundere character because she wasn't actually mean she like you could tell she was just poking fun and being kind of like a little snarky but she wasn't aggressively ferociously sundere like i've seen some characters are like they actually hate the guy where they're like no but actually i love you know yeah, like I've I've physically abused you, but I love you. Don't worry. Exactly, exactly. It was <laughs> it, it was it was a very pokey, funny kind of scene, which that is exactly what she wants. So she she was um, a delight as a character. I love him. Subasa felt bad for her. Really, really felt bad for Subasa. She's a cool character. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I I love the show altogether. So I've been I watched that. Long story short, I've been watching that, um, and I'm reading. We were talking earlier about like stylistic choices and like '90s and stuff. I'm reading a manga called Ichigo 100. Percent. Yeah, don't know if you've read it. Have you read? It? I oh yeah I read it as it was being serialized really interesting yes I I was so into that series and so I was chasing down cancellations online mm. like I was in uh, internet relay chat IRC uh, getting to know random people being like hey you got the newest chapter because I need it <laughs> because and here's the thing is like how far along are you oh gosh um I think I'm like 25 I'm not I'm not super duper far in I feel like I've been reading it a ton but I'm not that far actually I think I'm just I think I'm at the part where they actually get the film club going and the main girl, mm -hmm. it's been actually like a week since I've read, so I can't remember anybody's names, but the, the girl that wants to be a writer, she's like letting her hair down normally now. And then she's mm -hmm. actually part of the film club. So like, I was still very, very early, but they've introduced a lot of characters. It's clearly a big heart harem now, but, but I'm yeah, so you're, mad about you're it. About the, <laughs> you're about the mid, the mid range right now. Yeah, yeah I guess so. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. But this is a series that's worth reading. It subverts expectations in varying ways, and I won't expand upon that, but it's worth every read. It's it's easily in probably like my top 20 mangas of all time. Mm -hmm. Really? Because of what, like the art style, the characters, the writing, just like even the subject material, uh, even the, the jokes are funny. I like that his friends are just terrible yeah. like all the time. <laughs> 
because oh, that's what real suck, friends are dude. like. They they they, yeah. they do stuff that, that you know you're like, are you guys really friends? It's like, but when you have friends in real life that you're really close with, you kind of give mm-hmm. each other shit. You kind yeah, of exactly. poke at each other a lot. So it's, it's, it, it's very much the energy of like, what are you going to go make more friends? No, you're not. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> we're going to keep giving you shit with and you're deal with it. Exactly. But um, no, I love it. It's um, and honestly, like, as you know, the, the first scene, the relevance of strawberries in this, uh, it occurred mm-hmm. to me like a week later, I was like, oh, Ichigo, that's like Japanese or strawberry. So that must mean that must be some indication of the how this thing ends. So at least I'm hoping how it ends. You already know who I'm rooting for, I'm sure. But yeah, no, it's a, it's yes. a good little it's a good little read. I'm having fun with it, and um, I just need to find some more time to actually get back at it. You know? Yeah, you'll you'll get to the point where when you're reading manga, you'll start reading faster. I like yeah. I think I said on a previous podcast, I I can read a chapter in probably about like two two and a half minutes. So domestic Nakanojo, that definitely I definitely had that experience with. I was flying through that, dude. Uh, it that was serious. a page turner. Oh, it's so trashy. It's it's soap opera in, in manga form. But it also doesn't perpetually stay in high school. Like they grow up, they all have ambitions. And yeah. it's a it's I, I loved it. And the art style, oh my god, the art was incredible for more. Yeah, Kay reason. Sasaga is a great artist. She she's got some good stuff going on. I think she had there's a competition with her. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh she's releasing a single chapter of like three different series. Mm. And and it's gonna they're one shots as they call them. And uh-huh. they're going to be published, and the readers were, are going to vote on which one they like the most, and that's the one really? she's going to make a manga out of. And oh man, the first two are completely different styles and all the like kind of like romance drama, and the uh, the other one, of course, is definitely more of what she's been doing for probably like the last two decades. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that goes. As long as it's trashy <laughs> and plot twisty, you know I'll be on that bus day one. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was way more invested than I thought I would be in that series. And I remember you and I actually connected uh, pretty early on being like, you're reading that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, did you did you finish it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good, good, and good. Uh, say, like, like had, that had, roller coaster, had, oh. like uh, I thought my neck was going to break from that. The twists and turns on that bad boy. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. I hated the end. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it wasn't about the end. It was about yeah. how we got there. And that was a, that was a <laughs> f- ride. So, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like some of the plot points that happened in that series that it came out of left field. You're like, wait, yes. what happened? You're housing who? It was like she was scrambling and be like, no, 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 no. I have to subvert expectations, which sometimes <laughs> that's good. And sometimes it's like, no, no, no. And it still needs to make sense, though. Like we got to keep it on the rails a little bit, you know, yeah, otherwise the roller coaster will fall off the tracks. So there's a balance. But what are you consuming right now, man? Oh, right now? Absolutely uh, wrapped up something I talk about every week, but I wrapped up the second season of Welcome to Demon School, Irumakun. Good for you. Good for um, you. And, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Well, because I told you to read the manga because you told me I had to choose one or the other, and I and I desperately wanted to tell you both. <laughs> and to be clear, I do have it. Like, I'll show you proof. I don't think the viewers can, the, the listeners can see it, but I do have it like queued up here actually hang on can i show the thing I'll, I'll put it on the camera for you to see there it is boom see i got it it's there yeah i just haven't actually started it yet <laughs> well hey. i got like half a chapter in i think i maybe got one chapter in but then chainsaw it man got a hold of me and that was it oh yeah i need to i need to go through chainsaw man before the anime comes up i'm looking forward to mappa really putting some uh quality into that so so i wrapped up mm-hmm. we have welcome to demon school iruma and nice. then i caught up on Athena, Pirate Princess, the kind of like partnership between Crunchyroll and Adult Swim that got like all this like pedigree talent mm. in it. And I, I have to say that is a really good show. Was uh, it really? It's, yeah, it starts out it starts out kind of like on a high point and then it kind of slows down for a bit. 
and then it goes just balls to the wall. Like it's really well paced. Uh, comedy is pretty good. Drama is pretty good. There's interesting characters and the animation is on point. It's production IG. So I don't know if you've ever mm. heard of these guys, but they've they've not. been doing anime for a long time and it's really high quality. I mean, it's just I, to me, it's they're on the same par as like uh, UFO table where you get that almost like cinema quality animation, but not mm. quite. And yeah. it, it looks really good. And it's a lot of fun. So I, I can't recommend that series enough, especially because some of the twists and turns that start happening in it and the world it's slowly building, it becomes more and more interesting with each passing episode. Can you give me like the premise? Because I've just heard the name and that it's good. Oh, OK. So Fina Pirate Princess is essentially about this girl who, as a child, like her, she's with her father on a, a ship and it gets attacked and he's, you know, they, they throw her in a boat and they're like, go save yourself. And they tell her to go to Eden. Not really a spoiler. It literally is like the second line in the first episode. <laughs> sure. So she You've ends ruined up the experience. Somewhere. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. You don't have to watch it anymore. But she basically washes up on the shore and she gets put in a brothel uh, like as, okay. a, as a as a child. So, so she's like, you know, they basically show that she's survived in the brothel and she's finally of age. And they're basically uh, she's basically being uh, sold off to the highest bidder. And it turns out she's actually this really goofy girl who's been planning escape methods for like years and failing miserably. And it all comes together in this plot point where she actually ends up meeting these old guys who were somebody that knew her dad and they help her escape. And then there's another group of like pseudo ninjas that are, you know, servants of the family and mm -hmm. they help her escape. And then she's basically tasked with finding there's this like artifact that she has and she's tasked with finding out where it came from. And of course, then all of a sudden the British Navy is involved and pirates are involved. And, good Lord. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's really kind of and it it spends a good like first four, maybe five episodes kind of letting, letting you see little glimpses of different parts of the story. And you're like, who's this? Like, why do they care? And then it all starts to come together right around like episode six, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, it's and then it, it doesn't stop. Like you start getting revelation after revelation and it ends up not kind of like holding on for too long so that's why i liked it you know there's enough mm -hmm. mystery in the first like two hours two and a half hours of the series and then it's like all right here's plot points let's fucking go gotcha and there's action and it's it's a lot of fun i don't feel like i really ruined too much there so also i'm gonna say this for you uh when you if you do check out the first episode uh the two servants that end up helping her just think mario and luigi someone on twitter <laughs> ruined this shit for me oh god now this isn't like you can never run see it Oh, yeah. I'll show you a picture after we finish yeah, recording. And it's <laughs> like they, they, they're they named like Franz and, and something else. And it's completely silly. And you don't think about it. And then someone posted a picture of them on the Internet and was like, is anybody else seeing Mario and Luigi? And I was like, shit, I'm never going to see this any other way <laughs> no, you, ever again. It's like the FedEx <laughs> arrow in the logo. You can never really see it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do mm -hmm. remember that. I do see it every time. Yeah, yeah. But that's primarily what I've been catching up on. I haven't got to watch a lot this week because I've been uh, taking care of the podcast and various sure, other things. Yeah. But in it's terms of other stuff, I did read. I haven't read it. Wow, this has been the lightest week I've ever had. I don't have anything else. We're just going to have to talk about what the hell you're playing right now. You, you, your face is just like this realization of like, oh my God, I, that, this, that's really it. Like, I'm going to have to stop what I'm doing for the rest of the day and just read manga and watch anime. Just catch up on something, right? Yep. Yeah, I hear you. I got to get caught up on My Hero Academia. I know it's, um, you know, they're in the one of like the fifth season. I don't even know. I think that might be done for the season. Maybe they have a couple of they episodes are. left. They are done. They okay. are. They announced the sixth Great. season on the last episode. Okay, awesome. Do we, do we know when that's going to come out yet or do we have a window? Uh, Probably around April next year, I would imagine. They need to put enough time into it to make sure that it doesn't catch up to the manga. 
too fast because mm-hmm. then you start running into Dragon Ball Z and Naruto problems. And I yeah, don't exactly. think Horikoshi wants to do that. I, no, what I'm hoping for, what I am hoping for is the Vigilante spinoff manga getting in an anime. Have that's, you read that at all? Thing? No. Yeah. Yeah. From, there's an entire. Yeah. My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And it's about other characters that are basically using their powers to help people around uh, in the community and stuff like that and save people, but they're not uh, licensed and they're not part of any organization. So they're viewed just as poorly by pro heroes as they are by villains and things like that. And it's basically about these like three kind of like kind of hapless heroes that do different things with their powers to help the community. And they decide to form like a vigilante group. And then they start crossing over with the main series characters. Like they encounter Eraserhead, Endeavor, Ingenium, uh, like his not uh, not the class rep guy, his older brother before he got he gets injured okay. in, in one chapter. So yeah, yeah. So they they are it's crossing over and you're seeing like the world beforehand, but these characters have a bigger stake. And at first it was kind of goofy and like a little bit jokey, and then it really evolved into its own story, and it's really mm. good. And the main character, uh, his persona is Crawler, and his only ability is at the start is essentially he has the ability to create fields that let him glide along the ground. So like it basically, dog, I want that so bad. <laughs> and he's basically kind of like Spider Man because then he can glide up walls and stuff like that too. Ah, oh, so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's only a manga form right now, and it's it's got it's probably got like twelve or. 13 volumes like close to about 100 chapters and it's it's a good read i didn't expect it to be as good as it ended up being man man interesting i um i mean it's only the world's most popular anime right so you think if they wanted to do it they totally could they've got the funds to make it happen yeah i uh i honestly think you know they're being smart about it like kind of in that same way jojo was really smart about it like they didn't Mm. just power through too fast because i mean he still has he's still got i think he just wrapped up the most recent part but they still have stone ocean and oh, then, God, uh, that's coming soon too yeah and they have it's like gonna Steel be a merry Run. christmas this year yes it is gonna be a great christmas this year there's all kinds of good anime coming out before then let's talk a little bit of games before we get into our main topic okay, let's do that all right what are you playing because you are you are uh you are the guy that talks games so tell me games. i am i am or at least i, I should be I, I think i am anyways um <laughs> As far as what I've been playing lately, it honestly has not been uh, a lot. I'm playing, um, well, I'm playing a lot, but not playing very much at all. So I've been playing a lot of Smash because I'm, I'm kind of finding my way back into that. I'm potentially playing with a new main, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make that public just in case Jesse is listening <laughs> to this because he's the one I'm trying to <laughs> answer with this. But, yeah, for um, those that don't know, our friend Jesse is ridiculously oh, good at Smash Brothers. He's and, Diesel. Yeah. And like, and like, to be honest, like Jesse, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but like, he is extremely good, but I have played better and I have beaten him before, but I think he just kind of has my number right now. Like he's, he's, he, he feels attainable. Like I feel like I can be that good and that's why I'm trying so hard. But anyway, so I've been playing some Smash. Um, I'm also playing Metroid Prime, which has been a delight. I, I didn't realize this. But last year, I played a lot of Hollow Knight, much to Trey's dismay. I played a lot of Hollow Knight last year. I love it. Jack's <laughs> playing it right now. He's been texting me. Um, and it, it didn't occur to me because I also, I also last year, the year before last played Metroid, uh, Samus returns. I don't, I don't think I realized it, but I think I actually really quite like Metroidvanias. Mm-hmm. Every time in the past they've been proposed, like you need to go play Ori in the blind forest. You need to go play Axiom Verge. I've always kind of been like, 
yeah, but uh, nah, nah. but actually, when I start playing them, I, I love them. So, um, and Metroid Prime is the first one that's ever I've ever played that's been in first person, and it's so so good. The soundtrack is spectacular. The um, it gives you like just enough hints because the thing about Metroidvania is, is do you handhold the player along or do you reward them from remembering for remembering? Oh, I can go back this way because I have this power up now. It's all about locks and keys. You get a power up, you find you go back to a place you were before. You open up a new section, so it's sort of like how much help do you give the player? But Metroid Prime is really good because all it does is just gives you one section and it's like, hey, there's something interesting over here. Go check it out. But you don't necessarily have to do that, right? You can go mm -hmm. back and go. There's secrets. You can go back and unlock other things. It just sort of gives you like, hey, if you absolutely want to progress and nothing else, go here. And I really like that um, because it, um, it keeps me from getting lost because I can get lost. But it keeps you... And which, to be fair, getting lost is okay, but only mm -hmm. to a certain degree. I never want to be like... <laughs> the clueless of what to do next you know yeah it, it, metroidvanias are a unique experience to me because they are equal parts platforming in a lot of cases they're equal parts um rpg in a lot of experiences these days uh mm, like for me like castlevania symphony of the night really did kind of change the playing field for a lot of that stuff mm -hmm. of course super metroid did as well uh, that's where you and these are the two games that everybody uses as the reference point for the name. Yeah, the quintessential Metrovanias, yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing is, there's just countless ones of them out there, and they are, you know, all pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Like I can recommend probably like six or seven right now. Uh, Guacamelee. Uh, oh yeah. There is Dust and Elysian Tale. You have, of course, Bloodstained, and then you have Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge 2 now. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a sequel there's to a that. Sequel. And there's just countless ones. I mean, of course, not even withstanding, you know, Metroid Dreads coming up. Metroid Samus Returns, as you said, was like a really good one. Mm -hmm. They're releasing the Castlevania Advance Collection, which pretty much every one of those advanced Castlevania games was essentially a Metroidvania. Yes. Yeah. And that, that was so well, too. Yeah. Spoiled for content. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And I think it, it kind of, depending on which one, it gives a different kind of i guess dopamine hit for people sure yeah you know some of them are like really rpg heavy like you get equipment experience points and you equip magic and things of that nature so th the person that's an rpg person and like likes to collect things like bloodstain is going to really hit you good hollow mm. knight is kind of that there's some basic accessories but a lot of it's about exploration and challenging mm. yourself to some really intense battles and atmosphere oh yeah no doubt about that so Dark Soul fans can really get something out of that game. And I, I think that it just ends up being such a versatile genre that it's easy yeah. for almost anybody to get into. You can skip some of those Metroidvanias, but I bet you can find at least a few that you're really, really going to enjoy. Yeah. And for me, the big appeal is is always the, the exploration part and how it feels to be in that place, right? Because you spend, if it's an open world game, you can even though it sort of almost plays like a Metroidvania and that things unlock as you go along, the world gets bigger. Whenever you're typically when it's a Metroidvania, you're underground, right? You're underground, you're in some sort of place. It feels more like you're trapped and mm -hmm. you're sort of unlocking ways to get out of here, right? Um, which I kind of like that because or what, what I like about that more specifically is whenever it feels like it's a place that you actually quite enjoy being, right? Um, even though you're technically like trapped in Hollow Knight and trapped in Metroid Prime, uh, it's, it's very much just such a, for lack of a better way to say it, it's just, it's just, it's such a vibe to be there. You know, <laughs> the music, the music is sensational. You feel things when you're walking around looking at stuff. So for me, Metrovania is about like, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in this place, unraveling it. I want to enjoy being here. Um, because if I, if I feel 
you know, too threatened or if I feel too lost, or if I too feel too frustrated, I'm not gonna be here. I just like, I like the sensation of wanting to be in the place that a Metrovania is, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's clear it's clear that you definitely have a uh, a bit of a, you know, fascination with it right now. So, uh what else are you, are you really touching on lately? Anything else? Uh let's see. So, Metro Prime, uh, I played um <laughs> playing a little on stream, I'm playing a little bit of um Fine Lover Die Trying. It's a dating sim. It's really dumb. Highly recommend. I won't say too much more. You've been watching it. Yeah, I have been. It's it's really trippy. It's really fun. I keep I keep expecting it to be doki doki and instantly be like a a, a, a surprise horror game. But we'll see what happens. I, I feel fun. I feel like it's not. I feel like from watching yeah, this game, I feel not. like it's gonna be exactly what it is and it's having mm. fun with it, and that's what I'm really expecting. But we will yeah. see. It clearly so you you kind of have a pot right now of uh I do Smash, I've... Metrovania, and visual novels, because yep. I was there for your stream where everybody was uh-huh. voting on games and uh yep. Gonna Visual gonna start novels. eastward. Gonna start eastward very soon. Gonna start um, potentially God of War pretty soon because I really want to play the uh, God of War two. That, that I saw that trailer and I was like, what am I waiting around for? I, just, I, mean, I still need to play God of War. Seriously, so, you can get that game for like fifteen to twenty dollars. That's what I'm saying, right? So at this point, I have no excuse. So that's that's uh, what I'm, what's the one I'm doing looking forward. But uh, but what are you, man? What are you playing? Actually, I know I'm what about, you're playing. I, I'm <laughs> about to open a can on you. Here we go. I am playing oh Atelier Riza which is part of our book club, which you should also be playing. Notice and how I did have, not list that game. <laughs> yes, I did. I did notice that. But you can, now you can't escape. So I have to ask you, like, how far are you in the game? So I'm only, gosh, I think I'm still like on chapter one or chapter two. Like, it's extremely mm-hmm. early. I just learned how to do alchemy. And so I'm, I'm gathering ingredients and I hate it. Like I just, I want to vomit every time I walk around. Like, okay, let me get some ingredients. She kind of runs along, and and, oh my god! So I had a, you weren't there this night, but it was me, Mm -hmm. Will, Stephen, not you. It was me, Will, Spencer, the other S person, and Shane. We have a lot of S people. That's what threw me off. And we were on, we were on the Discord. We were playing Smash, and I just went off on a rant on why. So I will try to, I will try to replicate why Atelier Riza (laughs) for the show pisses me off so much. All right. So here's the thing. Have you played Ghost of Tsushima? Yeah, of course. You played, you played Breath of the Wild. Absolutely. Okay. So in both of those games, if you run by something that you can pick up, right? Like a, like a lizard in Breath of the Wild, a weed, a flower, whatever, what do you do in Mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild when that happens? You just hit a button. You hit a button. Do, do, do. You keep running. All right. Ghost of Tsushima, you run by a weed, you flower, you want to pick up. What do you do? Just grab, grab it with the button. You hit a button, do do do. It, it comes right up. I, actually, it's not. And Tsushima, it's like, oh, like it's very pleasant. In Atelier Riza, to simply do, which by the way, that, that's a side effect. That's a, like a, that's one of the several things you do in Ghost of Tsushima and Breath of the Wild and lots of open world games. But in Atelier Riza, what you do as a central feature is grab and find things to use alchemy for. So a lot of this game, correct me if I'm wrong, is going to be picking up items that you use to use for alchemy, right? Right. That process, because it is one of the most important things you do, should be fun, should be enjoyable, or at least at the very, at the very least, should be out of your mind. You're not worried about it that much. It should be effortless, right? But mm-hmm. no, Steven. Instead, I have to walk up. She has to stop her entire animation of walking, and then she has to hit it. Or sometimes you have to charge it. Or she has to stand there and then reach down very slowly, grab it, and then the animation has to end after a lot of stale frames, and then finally you can start moving again. And all I want to do is pick it up. <laughs> but she has to like 
well, I'm just going to walk up. I'm going to stop for a second. Now I'm going to reach down. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to think about it. Okay, now I can start walking again. And then you have to, and that's a central part of the game. Like, honestly, that's really what, I, I don't understand alchemy yet. I'm sure I will understand it in time. Mm-hmm. The plot, I'm sure I'll get in time. But that, I think that might be my biggest pet peeve. So, so what's your what's your biggest pet peeve of the game is not the actual game itself. It's the quality of life features in the game. I think, thank you, therapist Stephen. I think that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I think okay. that might be the biggest thing. <laughs> so, so th- this is that's the thing is like I've been an Atelier series fan for a lot of years, and trust me, you're not the first person that I've suggested the game to, and they come back and they go, "I hate this. I hate everything <laughs> really? about it." Like, Absolutely, no. You are you are like number twenty seven in the list. This Everybody comes back. Radio. It's clear to me because, and that's the thing is like, I suggest this game because I'm very much a crafting and gathering kind of a person. Yeah. I like those elements in games, uh, yeah. which is hilarious because I can't stand certain things like Minecraft, for instance. And uh, uh, there's there's a, there's a game called Valheim that's really huge. And well, apparently no it's more than that. So. No, there is no wife in that, which is some bullshit. But no, the general concept of the game does appeal to me, but it's more of a multiplayer thing because it requires, it literally encourages you to be multiplayer, yeah. to be efficient. These games are, and I started with the series uh, with Atelier Riza, which actually, uh, not Atelier Riza, oopsie, that's the opposite direction, Atelier Iris. And mm. those games were single player, traditional story, story-based story RPG with the alchemy built into it. And you did gather items that, from sparkling points as you went around the environment. And that's where it really got me, like fun characters and kind of this like down-home kind of feeling of creating things. Yeah. I can agree with you. It is a little bit clunky. And I think the reason for that is to emulate that whole idea of like, I'm an alchemist. I'm going to go gather things. So I'm going to actually like animate, sure. you know, gathering stuff. Yeah, I see what the intention is. Yeah. It, could it be faster? Could it be more efficient? Absolutely. Um, and there are there are systems that are built into the game that actually speed that up as you get further mm-hmm. in. Like I'm because I don't care about spoiling it because this isn't like a spoiler thing uh, for this story. You get like a garden. Like you can start oh, making, okay. you get, you're getting seeds and you can grow your ingredients. You have you have the you get the ability to get, use these bottles where you it makes a world where all you do is go in and gather ingredients real quick and there's a couple mm-hmm. enemies in there and so it, depending on what item you put in it depends on what you get out of it yeah for me like the biggest thing is you're so far at the beginning and the characters are kind of annoying at the beginning because it is basically oh, yeah. a coming a coming of age story and it expands and so and they have for me time like, to, like grow on you you know yeah, and that's the thing is like I told Trey this in a previous podcast is you're the whole setting is in on this island and an adjacent mainland and like you're in this small village that every, you know everybody you've grown up with everybody and it, as you do like the yeah. side quest you get to know more about the people around you and that's kind of like the joy of, of playing. Oh god, it. there's side quest oh, minus ten points. Yes. <laughs> Whatever, all you do is create something and go turn it in. It's not even hard. Actually, some of them are literally just listening to a story like conversation and then they're like, "Here's thirty coal. Thanks for listening." and that's the money in the game that's very sweet but I, ooh, that's assuming i care <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like I, I swear to god like you know what the worst part of this is i i for those who don't know we're gonna we're gonna cover it at the end daryl's a youtuber and he talks about games clearly mm. um because he's daryl talks games you talk about story elements all the time and how much you love story and atmosphere and this is like the one game where you're like fuck story fuck character <laughs> development fuck these Look, people man. <laughs> Look, man, when I'm when, when I'm jaded, I'm jaded, dude. Like, I, like I said, I mean, and I I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. Like, I I do think that I will sit down at some point. I'll get to a point where even if I'm not really having fun, I'll at least be like, all right, I I understand what's happening here. I can appreciate this for what it is. There are elements that I don't hate actually about this, so I will see it through. 
Um, and that's that, that's just a point that I, I kind of get to with a game after playing it enough. It's it's, it's, it's cognitive. It's, it's, it's sunk. It's sunk cost fallacy, right? Like I'm already this far in. Ah, let me just go ahead and finish it out. And honestly, you know, because you don't want to feel like you hated yourself, you find things to like about it, right? Yeah. the whole cognitive dissonance thing of like yeah okay well you know what maybe i did actually enjoy this maybe i didn't hate this as much as i thought i did and that <laughs> it keeps you in there you know all right so we definitely established that it's going to be a bit of a ride for you but i'm hoping that you'll come around uh so i've had you on this podcast for 47 minutes so far and we have mm. not even remotely hit the main point of why uh oh, what yeah. you wanted to talk about yourself <laughs> like, we've just been uh, just headed. spinning off into the distance the heated debate about Atelier Riser real quick. and Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is, this is exactly how all of our episodes go, so don't be surprised. We should be. You messaged me and said you you wanted to talk about like what we've been playing, what we've been watching, and, and, and some of that, and kind of like your origin story. But you also wanted to talk about some anime tropes that you had some questions about. Yes. So now that all the uh, all the pleasantries are out of the way, I do have to ask you this some real some I don't want to call this trivia, more just things <laughs> that I don't fully understand about anime. Right. And to give you some context for what brought this to my mind was that there are times whenever I am watching anime that I understand when I'm watching a dub, things are said sometimes weirdly because uh, being dubbed over a previous lip sync in, in Japanese. I understand that's why things have to be said weird. I understand there are some things culturally about Japan I just won't get. There are inside jokes, by the way, especially in Monogatari because uh, it is very like language heavy. They talk a lot about like how certain characters can be seen this way or that way depending on how they're written. And that's, that's very poetic about the situation they're dealing with. I see moments like that and I think, okay, this is something that I just truly cannot understand unless I speak Japanese, unless I am en engulfed in Japanese culture. And, I, and I, I accept that and move on. There are things, and I'm sure you understand as well, there are things when you, when you watch an anime, you just go, okay, I don't fully understand this reference. I don't fully get this. I'm sure, it'd be, I'm sure it would be great if I was Japanese watching this, but I don't get it. And that's okay. And you get to the bigger plot points and you're happy and everything's fine and hunky-dory. But there are some things that still I scratch my head at and I got to ask you, why is this a thing? So we'll call that segment, why, why is, this, why a is thing? this a thing? Welcome to why is this a thing? So thing number one, head pats. Explain. Because in America, at no point do you walk up to someone that you have any type of affection for and pat them on the head. I mean, I do it now because I do it in anime, but I don't understand why they're doing it in the first place. Like, when, why did it become a thing? <laughs> so, so, so give me an example of a head pat within okay. anime that makes you go, why? Okay. Let me think about this for a second. Okay, well, look, we we both love um, Komi uh, Komi-san, right? So in mm -hmm. Komi-san, uh, you know, she doesn't talk, whatever. She's because she has a, a sort of an anxiety disorder, or whatever the case is. So she, in one episode, she tried really hard to do something, as is often the case. She's very ambitious. She wants to do well, but of course, she's shy, right? And then Tadano-san, he, he's very kind. He's very nice to her, and uh, because he wants to congratulate her on like a job well done, he like head pets her, and she freaks the out right like and that's the, that's exactly how it goes every time in anime anime or manga the head pat happens from the love interest or whoever even if it's like an older brother figure and the girl's like oh my god i can't believe a head pat it's the it's the second coming of christ like it's just the biggest thing in the world to me <laughs> to them so i'm just trying to understand is that a thing the japanese folks actually do head pats is it a thing that is specific to anime why does this exist steven in my experience a lot of times that doesn't happen in real life like i've encountered various japanese people throughout my life uh, exchange students uh from that country and they don't do that naturally and, mm -hmm. and in a lot of like uh live action shows they don't do that either 
I think that it's actually just imagery to kind of show a certain affection for somebody kind of mm. like, uh, Oh, you're adorable sort of okay. thing. And of course, like anytime, like somebody has an interest or even like kind of an affectionate uh, association with it, they can feel shy about it. They can react to it because it's like, Oh, I had no idea that this person was going to do this thing. So they kind of bounce off of that. But I can tell you in my experience, it's not a real world thing. It happens to be more of an anime and manga thing just for passing a certain kind of emotion or feeling. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of what Japanese in Japanese manga and anime, they do a lot of kinetic kind of reactions. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So like if you would pet a dog on the head, it'd be like, oh, you're an adorable dog. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the character's calling them a dog, but it's the same feeling of like this person is adorable. I just I can't help myself. Right, right, right. It, it kind of and of course, a character is going to have elicit a reaction from that. So so no, that that's not a thing that's common in Japanese culture. <laughs> okay. As far as I'm aware of, it, it might be a thing in Akihabara as part of like some kind of like, you know, I saw this in anime, so I'm going to do anime things in real life. Sure, sure. Inevitability. So, yeah, I'd say you're fine there. Like, what else you got for me? Cool. All right. And by the way, you don't have to have a, like a perfect answer for all these because I'm sure there are some that you just may be like, I have no clue. Um, but that's, <laughs> that, that was a good answer. Like Family Feud, good answer, good answer. Um, <laughs> and just to kind of bounce off the whole like kinetic thing of like, yeah, that, that's so true about anime too because it's hard to do subtle facial expressions and it's hard to mm -hmm. communicate nonverbally in anime. So something like that is very like visual. So I appreciate that. That's cool. Okay, cool. Okay, so here's another one along the same lines and i'll just i'll just keep this very straightforward can you explain the fascination that some anime have th this is one that almost makes me turn <laughs> off can you explain the fascination with the little sister big brother thing you know what i'm talking um, about why is this the thing can you explain to me <laughs> this is just a weird fetish frankly but they do have fun making jokes out of like the closeness of brothers and sisters. They call them sister cons and mm. Oni cons and like One cons and things like that. Just basically you're way too close with your sibling. It's kind of weird and we're going to make fun of you for it. But as for the, the whole little sister thing, it, it really just kind of boils down to kind of a weird fetish thing. Mm. As far as I can tell, uh, there's not a lot of cultural connectivity between like, Oh, this is a yeah. thing that happens a lot in real life. So it's being displayed in this form. No, this is just kind of a, a weird thing. Now, anime does yeah, have a like history. That, Go ahead. I feel like that would be a bigger news headline if it was like, oh, man, the, the Japan has this weird problem with little sisters. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, it feels like that'd be a headline or something, you know? I mean, I've seen in the past, like some some articles and things that I've read have like reached out and found specific cases of weird mm -hmm. stuff that has happened and tried to explain it in a way that this is actually pretty common. And I'm like, I really don't buy that. What I buy more is that anime loves to kind of touch on risque topics and we won't even get into hentai. That's a whole other animal. Right. But anime does touch that on taboo topics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> say. If it, we go on too long, we're going to run out of topics and then it's just going right. to be hentai from that point on. <laughs> but they do cover a lot of taboo topics in anime. Let's, let, I mean, you talk about a teacher and student relationships. Um, you talk about there is a certain degree of kind of like non-blood related, like sister complexes and brother complexes. Mm -hmm. And then you get into things like kiss ex sis, where it's kind of like, okay. Um, <sighs> But these are very specific examples. I don't feel like it's a common thing. I think the little sister thing is is really just kind of like it was a trope for a bit. 
Like it's not yeah. as common as it, well, is, and, as it was. And like I said, you know, I don't, you don't see it as like a, as like a legit plot point. It's almost sort of, it's almost sort of always used as like a humorous sort of like a, you know, like it, it, it's comic relief, but it's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so jarring if you're not expecting that, you know, like that's not, that's not the type of joke that if you're trying to show a friend in anime that's never watched anime before, they're going to be on board with, they're going to see that and yeah. be like, what the f*** are you making me watch? You know what I mean? It's going to have that kind of a, a landing to it. Yeah, and there's not a lot there's not a lot of content out there that's mainstream that really addresses that in a big way. I think that mm-hmm. uh Aeromanga Sensei, Ore Emo, and A Little Sister is All You Need is are like the last popular little sister series I've seen in like the last decade or so mm-hmm. that have really kind of stuck out. So when you compare that to the sheer number of anime that are being released and a lot of the, the topics that are covering, it's it really just comes down to like fetish stuff, at least in my gotcha. opinion. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's kind of what I was thinking, right? Like, surely it's just like a, a, I don't know. It, it has it's either that or it has to be just this is a joke that landed really funny one time mm-hmm. and it became a thing, and suddenly it became like everyone's going to make this joke now because it was really popular at one point, and maybe it'll die out in a couple of years. I don't know. Yeah, mo- most of the time these are people that are uh, the people writing this don't have siblings, so you know. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Like when you have a sibling, you're like, oh no, 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 no. Right. Right. Uh, here's one that is, uh, this this may require a little bit of medical expertise, to be honest with you. Why are nosebleeds a reaction to seeing um, something risque for characters oh. in anime? I don't understand this. <laughs> so so that's a that's kind of like, a, it's another cultural thing. That's a, like, I don't know if you know, like, Japanese are very into, like, blood types, for instance. Yeah, I do know about that. Mm. So, Apparently, blood type is extremely closely related to personality. Yeah, they actually like that's a huge thing still. Like uh, the rest of us are just like that's what you need if you need a blood transfusion. But uh, mm. the Japanese are very much into like a lot of association with it, personality types and things. But the nosebleed, which is fun. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's so different than somebody being like, uh, look at the alignment of the stars. I'm a <laughs> right. Taurus, and I, because of that, I like yeah. green tea. I don't know. The nosebleed has more to do with like kind of like the idea of high blood pressure essentially ah okay uh so like think about it like you get excited so the blood pressure increases and so it can result in like a nosebleed sort of thing to me it was always used as kind of an excuse to show arousal without actually showing anything inappropriate sure i think fans like fan service even back in the day had the nosebleed and if you wanted to send that message again this is another case of like kinetic and visual storytelling in the in the case of manga and anime i mean clearly you can definitely show cleavage but you don't know if the character's going to react how would you show a character reacting to getting excited about cleavage well you got things like nosebleeds well you can't like show like just the anime dude like popping a boater that would be a little bit <laughs> right i mean Those i guess specific you could animes i mean yeah there's, yeah, yeah but that's the thing is like when you uh, that gets into the concept of like what hour is your anime on there is there is sure. like i don't know if you know there's there's shonen which is supposed to be for like t- a teenage and young boys mm. they're saying in which you might be able to get away with more adult humor but of course that means your show is now going to be on at 11 o'clock at night yeah, not yeah 7 yeah. p.m mm-hmm. so you get into more complex thoughts there but i think it was probably more visual storytelling without being inappropriate yeah i think honestly if you can categorize it similar to like the head pad of like this is a this is a visual way to show something that you know we want to communicate in, in sort of like an animated manner it's just funny to me because like that's that's never a reaction i have ever had to a situation like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i've never been like oh <laughs> like it's never been that you know yeah no it, and, and most people really don't run into that issue anemia is a very common tool to show a reaction to things as well mm. i don't know if i've ever heard the sentence anemia as a tool <laughs> before <laughs> First time, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just need to show you Excel Saga. That's all. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And this is kind of like the main event of all the tropes I was going to ask you about. And I think this one, this one is less goofy, um, perverted style anime question. This is like a legit interesting question, I think, maybe. Um, in fact, maybe. I was considering doing a video on this because there, there might be some psychology involved. But there's been this thing I've seen. Speaking of Bucky Monogatari, speaking of Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, speaking of Persona, right? There's this whole thing about like, so in Baki Magatori, I guess spoilers, Subasa's whole event that she has is stems from her stress, right? Sengoku, who is the girl, and she she has this thing for Senju Gohara, so she she her spawns is like you know that she goes crazy. Basically, there's physical symptoms because of specific things that are that are happening. And Bunny Girl Senpai, the main character, she had some symptoms like she uh, no one could see her, right? No one could see mm -hmm. her because she felt like um, no one could see who she really was. They just saw like the famous person or whatever. In Persona, you have, um, you know, all these distorted wishes and all these, you know, really, really terrible thoughts that are manifesting in this sort of pseudo pseudo realistic world of outward manifesting of like how they actually feel their palace. Right. So I was wondering if there's anything because I know in, in Japan, it's, it's Shintoism, I believe, is like a prevailing theology. Is there anything that connects all of those like the, that, you know, of? like, is there anything that is there any sort of trope in Shintoism that that's a thing? Am I grasping at straws here? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> is there something there? So to answer your question, I really can't comment on the association with Shinto. It's, it's a religion I would have to do some mm. research on, and I just don't feel comfortable really commenting on without any kind of knowledge. Yeah. But I would definitely say that Japan has a fascination with psychological trauma and grief and things like that manifesting in physical ways. And I mm. think that's a, a lot of things that are happening with like Baki Monogatari, even Persona, like traumatizing desires in this case are really what manifest in, say, Persona. You know, a lot of times, it, clearly it was the seven deadly sins in this case, you know, greed right, and right. pride and all that they cause a lot of trauma to people and, and then they suffered trauma whenever their illusion was broken. So a lot of cases in these stories, you really address that. Baki Minogatari is, it tries to sell it as supernatural, but every character has some kind of burden or psychological issue that they're suffering from. And it yeah, manifests carrying something. Yeah. Yeah. They manifest as a, as a supernatural element. And so it kind of, it, for storytelling elements, it allows to tell like kind of a deep character um, story without getting overly serious and allows you to do fun things with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like persona, you know, you created a world where you can address these topics. I mean, it, it covers a lot of stuff in, in terms of like teachers abusing students, using their power. Um, you have all the different kind of concerns that society over there may have. And they address a lot of, especially young people for that matter. Right. And they give it like physical manifestation and you can fight it and you can make changes with these characters. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, kind of a rewarding experience. And then, you know, bunny girl senpai, is definitely like, you know, it had a character. It was, it had this whole trauma of not being seen because of a certain factor. And so it manifested itself, you know, in the real world again, for more storytelling elements. But again, you could see psychological trauma, trauma desires that cause trauma, like tend to be manifested in a physical way. And that is a very common trope. And I, it actually extends all the way back to some of their writing. Hmm. There's a author, I hope I don't butcher his name, is Osamu Daizai. He has a, a famous novel called No Longer Human. Oh, interesting. And Junji Ito actually did a manga version of it, but it is about a guy who's basically like he, he has trouble connecting with humans. It shows how he goes through and sees things and does things that are probably not normal. And, and then it, it, he has relationships with other people and it continues to manifest in different ways. 
that drive him to basically like do other terrible things or finally like just let it go. Like, uh, right. You know, there's a uh, manga called Eating Crab with the Yukiona. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes. It's a very good uh, series, but it's based about a guy who is fed up with his life and he's miserable. And so he decides to rob somebody and basically robs this woman. And she's like, well, before I die, I just want to eat crab. So if you're going to kidnap me, you know, I'll pay the fees and things like that. And we'll go do this. And so he ends up on this road trip. He's effed up in the head and she's weird about being totally cool with this. They do all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, it has that same kind of like ennui, you know, that you get from people who are suffering in a certain way yeah. and they're trying to find a way out of it, but it manifests. And I think that's just a common thing in Japanese literature and storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's a very Japanese thing to do. I mean, uh, Haruka Narukami, a lot of her writing is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a her, uh, is kind of like that too. It's very traumatic, but then characters yeah. go through things and kind of come to a conclusion. Not always a happy yeah. conclusion for that matter. Uh, right. I don't know if you ever heard the series uh, Oyasumi Pun Pun. I have. It's, it's on my list. I have it like literally downloaded. I need to read it at some point, but everyone swears by that one. It's an experience. Like uh, it's not a feel good experience necessarily all the way through. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a great piece of literature. I'm prepared for the beard. Yeah, it's I think it's just a really common trope for them to address feelings like uh, now we're getting into like me commentating on it. Like I'm not this is there's no scientific proof of this. Right, right. Yeah. My view is that it's easier for people to deal with that when they write it out or they connect it to a fantastical element. Yeah. I recently watched Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix and they have an episode about the tsunami in Japan during 2011 where they had that 9.0 earthquake and then the tsunami came on the shore and they afterwards they shortly started seeing sightings of ghosts all throughout the area you know people turning up and saying like do you have any dry clothes at the door and then they you know give them the clothes and then they would disappear and you know different things like that oh i don't like that (laughs) i don't like that at all and it's interesting (laughs) because they kind of address it with like a monk a monk who practices buddhism and helps people come to terms with their loss and so that's part of the episode but then there's another one that's like this is kind of like a community-based btsd and like that's how they deal with it Mm mm-hmm And it was a really kind of interesting perspective to take into it. So I I feel like a lot of times when trauma hits a community and uh, just people in Japanese area, I mean, I'm sure there's other people that do this too, but a lot of times in terms of like fiction and things of that nature, they kind of associate the fantastical with that trauma. And I think that's what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. It's been going on for decades. Well, first of all, thank you for telling me all that because I didn't realize it was that established of a trope. I almost thought I was reaching, you know, I, I saw it being sort of common between those, like the three examples I mentioned, but to know that it goes that far mm-hmm. back, like there was a book written about it, I guess it just must've, you know, caught on at some point and as, as tropes do. And, but that's so interesting. And I think it's also, um, a testament to like in Western, um, media, right. What typically is the case is so someone goes through something, right. And, the entire show is like how they respond is, you know, it's, it's usually some sort of, um, some sort of story of redemption, some sort of story of like them going through new challenges that like replicate what they've already gone through to see if they can make a better decision the second time around. Right. But I think that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I think a lot of people are drawn to anime and sort of like Japanese portrayals of those type of things, because instead of it being more of like a real world approach, it like, it, it sort of illustrates more colorfully, more, more like fantastically, sort of what you're going through, right? Like it's Shinji Kohara, like feeling weightless because I actually forgot what like what her trauma was, but like it's, that's so much more of a dramatic example of it, but it, it might be almost more relatable because that sort of might be how someone could feel given the certain circumstances. 
so yeah, it's a really interesting topic. And in fact, like I said, I, I was thinking about maybe doing a video on it at some point. So if I do that, I will certainly get back with you so we can touch base on those examples Absolutely. and we'll do all that. But um, it's so interesting to think about, man, uh, because like I say, it's just, I do think it really touches on the Western versus the Eastern portrayal of how people deal with those things. Uh, you don't, a lot of times in like Western culture, you don't get sort of some of like the dream sequences of, um, or some of the more fantastical sort of versions of, of people dealing with something that you would in, in, in Eastern. So it's an interesting topic. Yeah. It's, it's something that really requires a little bit, if you ask me a little bit more research yeah. and just like care. Yes. It's definitely like one of those kind of like wonderful things. Like I'd like to, you know, write an essay or something on it. It's, it's really fascinating. And it goes back so many years and has so many examples. Mm. But yeah, so that kind of like covers most of the tropes you had questions about, didn't, or you got another like secret one? In no, there. that was it. I was going to ask about. Um, I was going to ask maybe about kill a kill and like nudity, but apparently in Japan, like nudity just is less embarrassing than it is here. Like it's more of like a it's more <laughs> of like a jokey thing, whereas in I guess over here it's more of like a oh no type type beat, you know. I think that has more to do with just other other cultures in general. Like Europe is much more welcoming yeah. of you know nudity and things like that because a lot of a lot of other countries view it as just like part of the body. Yeah, like you can watch old anime and they like they actually animate like little kids that have penises and the the breasts are not like obscured or anything like that because it's like this is this is just a thing they have. They're taking a bath. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? It's, it's not sexual. I'll never forget as a kid watching like a, a DVD of Dragon Ball Z and like just seeing baby Goku's wiener just out there. I was like, wow, that's a piece there. It really threw me off growing up. I was like, well, I guess that's cool. Whatever. It's just different. I've been to Europe several times and I remember especially a specific time in, in Turkey, like I walked by a newsstand and you know, there's just breasts on exposure. Like it's, it's no big deal. Yeah. Like no one's like, it, it feels, it feels like it's one of those things that when you experience a different culture that has no problem with it that you kind of realize you're like are we are we just like everybody else are we like puritanical like yeah like, what's what's, what's, our what's, deal? what's happening yeah. here there's definitely extremes yeah, you know sure. there's levels so that's a whole topic for another time it seems like we've been talking forever already <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and get us to the the end of it here. We will definitely maybe have to have you on for another show to talk about some more topics. All set, man. I got a notebook. <laughs> you got a notebook? Yes, sir. So do I. I got like the whole thing. The thing I did want to mention to people is, uh, as we've kind of hinted at throughout the episode, because we know each other so well, uh, Daryl has a YouTube channel, a well-regarded YouTube channel called Daryl Talks Games, where he covers the psychology associated with gameplay and also gives some people some motivation using the, that same kind of content. It's greatly edited and it's well-made, and I think that everybody should definitely check it out if you get the chance on YouTube. I think what I really wanted to kind of cover there is so you definitely can talk psychology about games and you've you've talked numerous times in your like streams and videos about like how you got into psychology involving games. Could you ever see yourself getting involved in psychology involving anime? And do you think that would alienate your audience? Well, first of all, brother, appreciate you. That was incredibly kind, almost too kind of an introduction for, for that whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I do YouTube. It's fun. It's good. Uh, I got a couple of subs. But I actually, I tweeted that out, actually. I was like, how would you guys feel? Because the series I do is called Psych of Play, right? Psych of, you know, uh, the psychology of what it is to play games and, and what that means as far as like actually playing them and seeing them and experiencing them, watching them all the whole nine yards. But I asked, I was like, well, how would you guys feel about a psych of anime? Would you be into that? You know, just kind of casually. And it was like one of the biggest tweets I've ever had. So apparently people, apparently there is a market for that. Do I think I would alienate folks? Maybe. But I think I could probably get away with it if I integrated it into gaming in some way, which luckily, as you and I both know, there are quite a few anime games. 
And honestly, one of the reasons I asked you about that trope a minute ago is because that would be a really, really good topic for like a, a psych of anime if I were to do one, right? But the way I was going to to, to mm -hmm. connect it was going to be like psychosomatic symptoms, right? Um, there, there is mm -hmm. a, a very interesting phenomena in abnormal psych where people experience symptoms that are completely psychological, right? So there's uh, there's one called like phantom glove, which has apparently been seen a lot where people will come in and they'll report their entire hand just the hand like where your glove would be just being numb just being completely numb and, and feeling you know jittery and strange and things like that which this is kind of a fun thing i'm sure you've anyone listening to this has felt this at some point if you lay on your arm just the right way you'll feel like your pinky and then half of your ring finger fall asleep or you'll feel the other side of your hand fall asleep that's the way it usually goes and it kind of shoots up your arm the phantom glove thing, there's actually no, as far as, as, unless I'm misunderstanding what I was taught, there's actually no way that just happens on its own, right? Like there's no actual medical reason that would happen. So it's a psychological thing. And usually whenever you do that and you take people in, you give them, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, or you take them through whatever it is that they, whatever treatment they need to handle whatever stressor or, or source of anxiety they have, it goes away because it's entirely, it's, it's a physical symptom, but it's being manifested from um, psychological reasons. And so that's sort of like the real world equivalent to the metaphysical crap that's happening in these, in these animes and in persona, because it's, it's something that's being manifested from something that's, you know, I'm pointing to my head for everybody at home, something that's being manifested <laughs> in your, in your, in your brain and actually happening to your body, uh, or to, uh, to it's actually manifesting in the real world. So I think that'd be interesting. Obviously it's a very, very rough idea and there would have to be a lot of research and a lot of connections and a lot of uh, asterisks to make sure that we were clear about hey so psychosomatic things are real anime is not but it's interesting to talk about you know <laughs> which is sort of the, the same rigmarole i go through every episode with but yeah that's i would be open to it and i would love to do more but i think that would be a good first one because that feels like a good persona being like a good you know transition into it yeah and i think i think uh honestly as as one of your viewers and knowing some of the other fans uh at this point thanks to the streams on twitch by the way mm. daryl talks games on on twitch every wednesday we have fun I'd say that for you, you present it in such a way that most of your fans are actually interested in psychology. Mm -hmm. Like, so it doesn't matter. Like games is definitely a sure, huge sure. connection, but I think that anime as well can be a, a solid thing as long as you're explaining the psychology really, really well. And I definitely look forward to the day when you uh, dip into that. I'll happily help you, my friend. Love that. would love that. So I, I kind of just wanted to give a, a quick, uh, idea of like what you do and clearly you, you gave me a lengthy answer that establishes uh what you know about psychology and how you associate it with different medias and that is a, a just a preview mm. of what daryl offers on his channel on youtube so for those that didn't catch it it's daryl talks games on youtube he's also daryl talks games on twitter and he also is daryl talking talks game games on twitch keep it uniform baby <laughs> yeah so basically check that out if you want guys and last but not least i'm going to go ahead and wrap everything up if you want to check us out on twitter we are senko podcast on twitter that's s-e-n-k-o-u podcast on twitter and we are also available on spotify apple podcasts podbean and i'm going to try to open us up on a couple other platforms here soon so look forward to that and hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to my wonderful guest star daryl and uh, Daryl, would you like to sign us off today? First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. This is the first time I've done like a uh, like a true audio podcast. So I really appreciate it, man. I've enjoyed it. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Have a good one, guys. Later.